never say die! Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 242 of 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And I just have to say, if I have three kids and I'm suddenly unable to take care of them, do not pass them off to my single male relatives who are best known for wearing funny costumes. <laughs> That's like seems a little suspicious. I mean, maybe ducks do it differently, but... Well, considering, you know, he, he Donald himself isn't exactly wearing pants, so... Right, yeah, he's known for wearing a sailor costume with no pants. Hold on, let me write this down. I don't want to forget. Yeah. <laughs> and Scrooge is best known for dressing like a Victorian billionaire. Well, I mean, I suppose if you choose a lifestyle, you know, go with it, man. <laughs> yeah, but don't send your kids to that person. <laughs> you know with the no pants thing? There's actually, this sounds ridiculous, there's an HR law coming out in Chicago called Hands Off, Pants On. That is the uh, name of the law. What it, does the law state? It states, hands off, pants on. Don't touch people <laughs> and keep your pants on. It's pretty much what it says. I didn't realize that was something that needed to be, like, told. But apparently... Depends on the industry. I think you find out if you work in education that they uh, disapprove greatly of you not showing up wearing pants. Food service, though. They're all about it. Hey, I mean, they just say no shoes, no shirt, no service. Pants are not on the sign. See, it's that's their own. Nights where I'm putting my dick in the mashed potatoes again. So I'm supposed you're wondering where Pat is. Um, <laughs> he unfortunately is not able to make it to this show. Um, but we will carry on without him with a tear in our eye. If you like tears in the eye. Thanks, Joel. That's all you guys are giving me to work. Moment of silence for Pat. <laughs> Nobody said moment of silence for Pat. That's what I heard. If you'd like something to fill your moments of silence, perhaps you'd like the shows on the Podcast Collective. Ooh. Such as Joe's, uh, Joel's own <laughs> The Sunshine Happy Pants Hour. You can listen to more Joel with Killa Wilba at, at the Coffin Joe cast. Also, <laughs> the internet with Scott the Pool Boy. With 100% less Joel. Right. And of course, the Red Dead Radio Hour. And if you're looking for even less Joel, Joel's new podcast, Moment of Silence, will be out tomorrow morning. It's all Joel, all the time. He's his own network. So Dude. if you're looking for our older stuff, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, NoonFM.com, all sorts of podcasting directories. Uh, 708 now wrap 708-669-9727 if you want to uh, call and leave us a message and geek life radio 12 noon on saturdays yes you can find us there every week except the weeks we don't put up a new show i'm not actually sure what they do when we don't put up a new show i think the old show just plays ah yes or it's an hour of a moment of silence by joel a moment of silence with joel i've already recorded four episodes (laughs) <laughs> just sitting here clicking record i think you're nice. doing it wrong he's ripping off the mime show <laughs> Shh, don't tell anybody i like the mime show that was easy all right speaking of easy it's about that time this week in music movies and tv Woo. 
All right, so this week, the date we're doing is September 18th, 1987. That was the release of the pilot episode of DuckTales. Nice. All right. So music. The top song in the land was I Just Can't Stop Loving You by Michael Jackson, which knocked off the cover of La Bamba by Los Lobos. I'm a pretty big Michael fan, and I don't remember that song. Uh, I don't know. I may be, I may be um, tempting the fates of uh, of uh, of uh, one of those the ones that track what music you play. I don't even know what it is. We don't post on YouTube anyway. <laughs> this is I just can't. This one. I do not know that song. I don't either. This was a number one Michael Jackson song, and I am not actually sure I've ever heard it. I recognize it, but I I don't know. I can't. I know I haven't heard it more than a a few couple a couple times. It's not like I remember hearing it on the uh, radio all the time. Yeah, that's a first for me. I don't think I've ever heard that one. Huh. How long was it on there? I think you played about 10 seconds. No, you twit. Um, <laughs> chart performance uh, was a lead single from Bad. Uh, seventh week on the tally, it hit number one and fell out of the top 40 just five weeks after topping the chart with an 11 week uh it fell off the chart completely in five weeks after it hit number one with only 11 weeks on the top 40. Wow. Now, La Bamba, I'm very familiar with. Oh, yeah. I don't know the actual words, but... I do, but yes, I'm not going to sing in Spanish on the show. Aw. <laughs> I'm keeping up with that New Year's resolution. They're oddly specific. <laughs> uh, on September 12th, Michael Jackson started the Bad World Tour, supporting his Bad album. And that's bad as in... Good. Good. Bad right. isn't good. Because I can't see Michael Jackson having a bad album or a bad world tour. No. But he did it. I think you could have an album that's not as good as the other ones of his, but they're all pretty damn good. For sure. Yeah. I think we all agreed on that at one point. Uh, or well, that was Prince. Never mind. So, uh, <laughs> Bob Fosse, choreographer and musical creator extraordinaire, died at 62 years old on September 23rd. His legacy includes All That Jazz, Chicago, Cabaret, and Damn Yankees, among others. He was absorbed, sadly. Jazz hands. <laughs> fussy, fussy, fussy. Twyla, twyla. Okay. <laughs> and last in music, Peter Tosh was a Jamaican reggae musician, and along with Bob Marley and Bunny Whaler, he was one of the core members of the band The Whalers, after which he established himself as a successful solo artist and a promoter of Rastafari. He was murdered on September 11th during a home invasion and was absorbed, man. Jesus. Oh, That's what? terrible. Yeah. He, wow. I'm sure. And that was the thing is like Peter Tosh was the kind of guy that would be like, oh, here, man, take it. You know? Right. <laughs> Just ask him for it. I... All right. Moving on to movies. The top movies in the land were Stakeout and Dirty Dancing. I've seen one of those two movies and it's not Stakeout. I've seen both of those movies and liked them both. Stakeout wasn't too bad. I vaguely remember Stakeout. The one with the Estevez in it. Yeah. Emilio. Maybe I have uh, seen that. That was uh, 
Stake oh, Richard, Richard Dreyfus and Emilio Estevez. Mm. Sitting at 87 on Rotten Tomatoes. So. I'm looking at it now, and I, I remember the poster, but I do not actually remember seeing this movie. No, let's check that out at some point. Hmm. John Quaylen was a Canadian-American character actor of Norwegian heritage who specialized in Scandinavian roles. Appearing in well over 100 films and acting extensively on television into the 1970s, Quaylen performed many of his roles with various accents, usually Scandinavian, often intended for comic effect. Quaylen assumed a Midwestern dialect as Muley, who recounts the destruction of his farm by the bank in The Grapes of Wrath, and as the confused killer Earl Williams in His Girl Friday. Ooh. Oh. As Berger, the jewelry-selling Norwegian resistance member in Casablanca, he used a light Scandinavian accent. He died of heart failure in 1987. Absorbed. I have no idea what that voice was. I don't know either. Joel does not know what a Scandinavian accent is. <laughs> Mervyn Leroy was an American film director, film producer, author, and occasional actor. His list of movies he directed is far too extensive to list, and he was responsible for launching the careers of Clark Gable, Robert Mitchum, and Lana Turner, among others. Eight of his movies he directed or co-directed were nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars, one of the highest number among all directors. On September 13th, he directed his final shot. Absorbed. I like Robert Mitchum. Do you like Mervyn Leroy? Apparently, I should. All right. I'm going to toss some of them out, out there. Directed The Wizard of Oz. Directed <laughs> Gypsy. Oh. Uh, the Devil at Four O'Clock. Um, good God. 78 different. The Million Dollar Mermaid. Quovatis. Little Women. Uh, God. He, good God. The list just keeps going. It just huh? keeps going. And it's like. Tugboat Annie, I, you know, it's like a lot of, you know, like old classic movies. So is that the sequel to Steamboat Willie? Yes, that's exactly what that is, Joel. Toot toot. <laughs> From Double Death to Single Birth, we have Thomas Andrew Felton, who was born on September 22nd. He's a British actor who rose to prominence for his role as Draco Malfoy in the film adaptations of the best-selling Harry Potter fantasy novels by J.K. Rowling. His performances won him two consecutive MTV Movie Awards for Best Villain. How do you think actors feel when they get awarded one of those? Are they like, oh, yeah, or are they just like, MTV's still around? At his age, he might have been cool, but now they're probably like in a box in his attic. (laughs) Huh, I got that. That was a thing. That is a thing that happened. MT what? Um... All right, so TV. Uh, The top shows in the land were, predictably, The Cosby Show, A Different World, Cheers, and The Golden Girls. 1987. Pretty much summed up in a nutshell right there. Yep. So, uh, Danielle Nicole Pannebaker was born September 19th. She began acting as a teenager and came to prominence in her roles in Stuck in the Suburbs, Sky High, and Read It and Weep. In the HBO miniseries Empire Falls... And in the Empire Empire Falls. She came to wider attention in the series Shark and is also noted as a screen queen, having starred in Mr. Brooks, Friday the 13th, The Crazies, Piranha 3 Double D, and the acronym of the week, JCTW. I'm pretty sure that's Jim Carrey Tastes Weird. (laughs) Well, I don't think you're right. You're not wrong. (laughs) No, that's um, 
John Carpenter's The Ward. Which I don't that know. is such a good movie. It kind of peters out at the end, but the first, almost the full three acts are very, very good. Okay. Well, uh, after roles on Necessary Roughness, Bones, and Justified, she was Dr. Caitlin Snow on Arrow. She reprised the role of Caitlin Snow as a main character in the spinoff series, The Flash. She, I, I enjoy her work. She's always good in everything I've seen her in. Yeah, but she definitely gets around. I mean, Does she? Well, Arrow, Piranha 3, Double D. Oh. You know, that's what I'm talking about, Joe. Gotcha. Not the other thing. So, uh, on September 20th at the 39th Emmy Awards, the winners included L.A. Law, Bruce Willis, and Sharon Gless. Again, very, very late 80s right yeah. there. How much you want to get Bruce Willis won for uh, Moonlighting? Yep. Sharon Gless, uh, Cagney, and Lacey. Yep. L.A. Law mm-hmm. for L.A. Law. I bring the donuts, Doc, man. <laughs> we, they need to, that's a movie they need to remake. Dark Man? Dark Man. They've been kicking it around, apparently, but hasn't happened yet. It's, hmm. I mean, it's, it's, well, now that they have the superheroes, I think it's going to... TV? Yeah. Straight to TV. Straight to, I mean, even Netflix. Come on, Dark Man? I thought the, I mean, I thought the concept was, of the character was really cool, at least. Yeah, I mean, Sam Raimi joint originally, and uh, rest in peace, Larry Drake. It was always fun to watch. Yeah. So, so. sports. Um each want to take one or yeah since i'm since about I'll, I'll pick the first one up since i've uh i'm just finishing up tv so sports on september 13th paul lynch of great britain performed jesus 32,573 push-ups in 24 hours eat a dick what the hell that is 32,570 more than i can do <laughs> holy f- I can't even imagine what this guy must look like. I'm sore just thinking about it. Wow. That's that's ridiculous. Paul Lynch push-up. I'm sure Pat confirmed that because it seems a little too good to be true, but he usually doesn't put stuff if he hasn't fact-checked it with stuff like that anyway. Did yeah. you mean Paul Lind push-up? <laughs> Ow. I can't do a Paul Lind voice. <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> I'll take the second one here. On September 14th, it disappeared. I'm sorry. I clicked a picture and accidentally... Why would you do that? I I clicked a picture. I I didn't know. I was just like, I don't know. Okay, I put in Paul Lynch push-up, and I got a picture on the images of Gerald Ford and Robert E. Lee. And I clicked Robert E. Lee to find out why the hell he had anything to do with Paul Lynch and to put it in the show notes. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) The timing was impeccable, though. On September 14th, Cal Ripken Jr.'s streak of 908 full games played and 8,000, I'm sorry, 243 consecutive innings played is broken when the manager of the team, Cal Ripken Sr., took his son out in the eighth inning of a 20-run blowout loss to the Toronto Blue Jays, who hit a franchise record 10 home runs. Hmm. Why would he do that? I mean, if he's on that much of a streak, I mean, I guess it wasn't like he was going to hit like, 8,500, and he took him out at 8,499, but still. It must make Thanksgiving awkward. Well, I mean, it was a blowout. They're, they're just like, yeah, don't don't hurt yourself. These guys are de- He's already dead. <laughs> I'm putting you in the bad home, Dad. Oh, my God. This, this Paul Lynch, at 1983, he is second world record. He 
did 1,753 one-armed push-ups. <laughs> In 82, he, he did 39 one-finger push-ups to get the... Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. And then, All right, I guess I'll take us out. Wait, 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 wait. I just have to have to do this one. So April 21st, April 19 in uh, 1992 at the London Hippodrome, Lynch performed 124 consecutive one-finger push-ups in approximately just over five minutes. During what would have been his 125th push-up, Paul shattered the bones in his finger. Oh. Good God. That made me cringe. Ow. There's there's doing a thing, and then there's not shattering the bones in your finger. That's crazy pants. Okay, going on. Sorry. All right. On September 18th, the Detroit Tigers' Daryl Evans became the first 40-year-old to hit 30 home runs in a season. Go 40-year-olds. But Detroit Tigers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Take us out, keyboard Joel. No, 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 ouch. I, I know, that's... Right? I wonder what finger it was. I'm assuming okay. it's index finger, but you never know. I mean... Either way, props to you, Paul Lynch, you mad bastard. That's crazy. All right, so, DuckTales. Woo! <laughs> I'm not putting a stop to that. That's too fun. Uh, a show that all of us kind of sort of grew up on. I mean, you guys are younger than I am. So in 87, uh, what, what grade were you guys in? 87, I would have been 12. Okay. I was in 7th grade. All right. I so just turned 12 when the series premiered. Okay, I was sophomore in high school. Were we that far apart? Well, I was a freshman in 89. Yeah. I guess that's right. Yeah, Yeah, about two, three years. Yeah. Huh. So Pat was 33, I think. <laughs> yeah. Pat was 58. <laughs> Um, no, we, uh, I remember this coming out. Uh, so we got some info on this one. So this premiered on September 8th, 18th, 1987, like we said, a hundred episodes over four seasons, and then lasted all the way until November of 1990, uh, based on the Uncle Scrooge universe created by Carl, Carl Barks. Uh, the show follows Scrooge and his nephews, Huey, Dewey, and Louie along with other friends on adventures, which are either thwarting villains, finding treasure, or getting back his number one dime, which was where all of his luck came from. Uh, It was the first Disney cartoon to be produced for a weekday syndication, so they specifically created this for after-school viewing. I didn't (laughs) realize that. Yeah. So this, and they put a lot of money into this one. No, more, I mean, to the, more than they normally would for um, for just a regular cartoon. They put really wanted to make it attractive to people, and it actually did because this spin spun off uh, afterwards. Uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, Tailspin, and uh, Darkwing Duck. So the theme song was written by Mark Mueller, and. Uh, was I just had Jeff sung by Jeff Pachetto, which I had uh, we were earlier talking about. He also did the theme song to Ris- Rescue Rangers, Darkwing Duck. Uh, oh, he sang 
wrote the song Dirty Love for the movie License to Kill, and then some Beekman's World songs, and then he did a song in 2005's Tekken 5, which is... Odd. Yeah, which is... That is odd. That is strange. I didn't know there were songs. I've played Tekken 5. I didn't notice any music videos, so... But um, it was a huge success because they had initially com- their whole idea for this was to not make just another cute um, after-school TV show. They wanted something that had a little bit more meat to it, uh, which you can tell because it is the song does sound cute. You know, it's a happy peppy song, but they wanted something that was a little bit more adventurous. That's what they were aiming for on this one. So. Uh, they commissioned other cartoons, which you know I had spoken of earlier. Uh, and DuckTales also had its own feature-length movie, uh, DuckTales: The Treasure of the Lost Lamp, which came out in 1990. And uh, Josh and I actually talked about this at the end of last show. Uh, the they had toys, comic books, and video games. So you said the video game was better than it should have been. What made the video game so good? I mean, it is a rock-solid platformer action game, and the main thing is, is you're playing as Scrooge, and you're using his cane as a pogo stick. That was your main mechanic that set it apart from just being like a DuckTales-skinned Mario. Yeah, and you could use it to knock things out of the way also. Yeah. So it was it was like Mario in overall concept, but it had some different mechanics that made it its own thing. Yeah, and it was, you know, the whole thing was after... Uh, Donald, I mean, uh, Scrooge getting back his number one dime. And the thing was, it. a lot of times when you have games based off of kids' TV shows or movies or you know, something like that, the difficulty is scaled down because it's being it's for kids. Not so much in the DuckTales game. Yeah, that's certainly true. Uh, the difficulty in this one was pr- a pretty hardcore. The the jumps were unforgiving. The platforming was difficult. Um, I had this on NES and I had this on Game Boy. If I had not had, I still have. Um, <laughs> and I've also got the remake on on my PS3. But it's a it's a solidly made, really good game. It's that's all it is. I mean, it's uh we're actually pretty surprised by it because normally you would have stuff like. You know, like the Shrek game, you know, would be a good example of a shitty video game. But so yeah, so uh, you know, we're gonna talk about the reboot later. The voice of Scrooge McDuck was done by Alan Young, who was born. Ready for this one? Got a guess on when he was born? When he was born? Yeah. Uh, nine, like a year. Uh, nineteen fifty-six. Josh. I just like that year. The nineteen twelve. Oh Jesus. Nineteen <laughs> nineteen. Holy shit, I was joking and I was not that far off. No, you, you were really weren't. close. Uh he has done voices for Disney through his entire you thought the the director we were talking about uh had a lot? He has done tons of Disney stuff. Uh mainly a Scrooge McDuck. But um, has gone into Scooby-Doo, voices for Alvin and the Chipmunks. Uh, he appeared in episode of Murder, She Wrote, strangely enough. Scrooge McDuck for 100 episodes. And uh, he was in Doogie Howser, M.D. So basically, when he said they were putting money into this, they were really 
banking on it being authentic as well as being right uh, quality. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and Josh, I think you were the only other person on the one that would get this one. He also did the voice of Haggis McMutton on uh, 1997's Curse of Monkey Island. Okay. So, tons of, uh, you know, the, the voices on this were, uh, you know, quality. Uh, Tony Anselmo uh, did the voice of Donald Duck. I've uh, been doing that forever. The voice of, get out of the way, Link, Huey, Dewey, and Louie were all done by Russie Taylor. I wondered about that when I was watching it again, if uh, it was all the same voice actor. And yeah. Oh, he did Webby, too? Yep. Did Webby also, or she did? So all three of them, oh, which I cool. always would like, I always wanted to see because I know there's a lot of um, voice actors that do that where they'll do multiple voices, like um, uh, Rick and Morty. You know, where one person is doing more than one voice. So I always want to see like Rossi Taylor doing all the do all the ducks at the same time, <laughs> you know, changing the voice. Uh, Chuck McCann is Duckworth, the Butler, Burger Beagle, and Bouncer Beagle. Terry McGovern as Launchpad McQuack, uh, who I don't know why I had this stuck in my head, but I always thought that uh, the voice of Launchpad was done by, um, lost his name, Putty from... Patrick uh, Warburton, yeah. who, is, who I thought should have done it in the remake, but uh, I was surprised because I, yeah, I remember his voice being much more Warburton-esque it in did. my mind. It, it really did. In my head, I had thought that uh, it was it was Warburton. But no, Terry McGovern, Launchpad McQuack, and uh, he's got a huge resume of video game na- uh, voices. So he's done uh, Captain Blondebeard for The Curse of Monkey Island. He did uh, a bunch of uh, Star Wars games. Mech Warrior 3. God, I missed that game. Uh, Frank Welker. Ah, Scooby-Doo uh, fame. I yep. was going to say, everybody knows Frank Welker. He's everywhere, that's why. So uh, he did the voices of Big Time Baggy and Beagle, Big Time Beagle and Baggy Beagle and Bubba the Cave Duck. <laughs> I don't remember Bubba. Oh, I remember Bubba. He, so Hal Smith as Gyro Gearloose and Flintheart Glomgold. Ah, yes. I'd forgotten about Flintheart, too, until I started watching. Now, here's the thing. Hal Smith, what do you know him as? I don't. You yeah, do. I don't recognize the name. Hal Smith is Otis the Drunk from the Andy Griffith Show. Oh, really? Okay. Yep. There you go. Huh. I told you they went quality on these uh, on these voice actors. I mean, they they really put a lot into it. So, uh, Joan Gerber um, been around since 1935, doing the <laughs> voice of Miss Beakley and Glittering Goldie. Uh, Ham- Hamilton Camp. As Fenton Crackshell, I didn't, you know, it's not the uh, real reason to put him in there, but he also does, he does a voice of Gizmo Duck. So, and then June Foray as Ma Beagle and Magicka Dispel, and Brian Cummings as uh, Doofus Drake and Bugle Beagle. Okay. So. I'd forgotten about the Beagle Boys until I started rewatching these. Oh, yeah. But no, this, um,. This last guy, Brian Cummings, he's another one who's been all over the place. Uh, done voices from Metal Metal Gear Solid, Evil Dead, uh, just all over the place. He's also done for Wild Star. I don't know what, what game it? that is, but that was a that was a well, 
There was an image comic by that name, but I don't know if that was. Uh, wasn't Wildstar the MMORPG that? Oh, was the game? Oh yeah, that's right. That was yeah. We played that for a little while, didn't we? Yeah, I bought it. Uh, yeah, I, I bought it and played it uh, for a while, and uh, uh, had lost interest by the time it went free to play. Hmm. But yeah, I remember the voice talent for that game being actually pretty reasonable. Yeah, <laughs> kind of had to think about that for a second. Uh, so they also had a bunch of other voices that helped out on this. Uh, some of the other notable names are, of course, Peter Cullen. Yep, he was in episode two. Sure. Uh, <laughs> they asked, he was the Aztec, the leader of like the, he was like the Spaniard who had the gold coin. Mm-hmm. And he was also the voice of Anjol. Well, he was Optimus Prime. Yeah, he still is Optimus Prime. Oh, yeah. Uh, Casey Kasem on his days uh, yes. off from uh, Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Harvey, yeah, Harvey Corman. Uh, Gary Owens, uh, Joanne Worley, Maurice Lamarche or March. He's that's a Ma- name Maurice also. Lamarch. Yeah, that's I don't a know. familiar name. I'm not sure why I know it, but I think he was part of the Futurama gang. No, or that could be. Come on, come on, try. Think about it. Well, you're not like you have his voice right here. He does the voice of Brain from Pinky and the Brain. Oh, mm, okay. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, for the show, they got a lot of really good. Uh, a lot of good voices in there. I mean, pre- voices that we know that weren't even done yet. Like Rob Paulson did the voice of Yakko Warner from uh, from Animaniacs. So, uh, so trivia: when the initial ideas for Ducktail were being brainstormed, Disney was also considering a TV series inspired by Indiana Jones about a team that would go on adventures worldwide searching for treasures. Uh, after rereading Uncle Scrooge comics by Carl Barks, Michael Eisner made a good decision for Disney for once and realized that many of these adventure elements were already incorporated into their storylines and they merged it into DuckTales. Clever. Yeah. Um, in the comics, Donald Duck was not in the Navy, but always accompanied Uncle Scrooge, Huey, Dewey, and Louie in their adventures. However, the show's creators thought that he might steal the focus from Uncle Scrooge and that his voice was really hard to understand. So instead, they created Launchpad McQuack. I think that's a really strong choice. Oh, yeah. I mean, I own some old school Scrooge McDuck comics. And uh, as we'll talk about in the remake, they kind of uh, nodded to that in the the now, the new series. Yeah. But uh, the way Donald talks in live action, like unless you want it to be silly, it's hard to include him. Which becomes a running gag from time to time. Oh, yeah. So. DuckTales, was this a standard after-school thing for you guys? Oh, yeah. I mean, all of these shows, uh, I would also include uh, the Gummy Bears, these Disney high adventure where they adapt something, whether it's a classic property or, in the case of Gummy Bears, a freaking candy. And they make this uh, targeted at, like, elementary or middle school age adventure shows. I just, I couldn't get enough of them. No, and that's, um, that's one of the things is just, I think a lot of it was the writing for back then. I mean, it was definitely smarter than anything else. I mean, yeah, there's Thundercats. Everybody loved Thundercats. I went back and watched some of the original Thundercats. It's, spoiler for when we do the Thundercats show, it's not great. <laughs> they don't hold up, but the Disney stuff consistently does. Like I've watched some Rescue Rangers, I've watched some Ducktales, obviously for this show. Gone back and watched some uh, some Gummy Bears, and it's not just 
rose tinted glasses or nostalgia factor. It, the stuff was just legitimately good. Well, I mean, and that's partly of what we were talking about. You, you've got the, um, you know, when they cashed in on this, when they said, let's, let's make this, they definitely went all in. I well, mean, there's, there's definitely some dating to it. I mean, it's definitely got some dated things going on that, uh, stand out, mm-hmm. but, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it still held up pretty well. I was expecting it to be a bit more like when we did the um, Speed Racer show, where what I remember and what I saw were two very, very different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was surprised that it wasn't, it it was still, you know, a little bit more juvenile than I remembered. But again, it was pointed at kids. It wasn't trying to be more what the remake is in some regards. Yeah, it definitely was not... Um... Not aimed, definitely not for the smart kids of now type of thing. I mean, but it's like one of the episodes that we watched is where um, uh, Scrooge gets tossed in prison for stealing a painting by Glomgold. You know, he he's you know that's that's what happens. And the the Beagle Boys break out of prison by the getting a cake from their mom, and there is a frosting covered shovel coming straight out of the top of the cake. And the cop brings it in there. It's like, here you go, Beagle Boys. Your mother sure does love you, you know, and gives him this thing with the, you know, with the shovel sticking straight out of the top of it. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's pretty stupid. But, you know, they're, it's one of the, again, one of those where it's, they're all in, you know? Right. So. Which it's kind of like, um, uh, one of the episodes I watched where they're, the Beagle Boys are in jail and the cop just, tosses a, a box in there full of cupcakes they don't even like look at them to see what they are they just toss them in there and they're of course they they're exploding cupcakes so they can escape but um even that i mean they make jokes about you know how scrooge's vault is their um it's like their 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 main job is to try and break in so you know it's kind of self-aware in some regards <laughs> That uh, all they all they're really after is is breaking into Scrooge, Scrooge's house or his vault, even though they never succeed. Uh, one thing I noted that because uh, I watched these in reverse order, I, I first watched the uh, remake and then went back to watch the originals, is that uh, Huey, Dewey, and Louie are practically one character with three bodies. Oh yeah, and I don't know that's a bad thing. You mean in this version? Yes, for sure. Yeah, and and having the same actor voice them doesn't help. Well, I, I'm not sure it hurts though. I guess is is my point. I mean, there's three of them, but it's not even that important that there's three of them. I mean, they are collectively the nephews. Mm-hmm. And it's it gives it allows more uh, exposure, more plot device. You know, with the three of them. Yeah, right. they're one character, and you can do different things with them being three separate entities where you can put two of them in danger while the other one's not, etc. Right. And you have one explain the plot while the other two go and do something else. Otherwise you have one character that just talks a lot. You know, it's um they aren't they aren't as necessary to the show as say my personal favorite, Launchpad. Uh any any episode that circles around Launchpad was always my favorite. It's got a wings, I can crush it. I know that's one of the, one of the in the uh, court case where they're framing Scrooge McDuck and the one that I watched is like 
Launchpad McQuack, is it true that you crashed Donald, you know, crashed Scrooge's plane on this day in this area? And he's like, oh, I crashed his plane all over the place. I don't know what that has to do with anything. <laughs> no, Seems about right. It was a good enough character, too, that they moved him over into Darkwing Duck. Was he in that? Oh, yeah. I, I never watched, I don't. at least I don't remember any episodes of Darkwing Duck. What? I don't. What was his character? He was like the sidekick. He hmm. was... He was the, I don't want to say he was like the Robin, but he was like the vehicle guy for Darkwing. So, wow. yeah. I did not remember that at all. I, and spoilers, I am a huge Darkwing Duck fan. I love Dark. I, in fact, when the girls, here's, here's a mistake you don't make when you have kids, listeners. When they first start losing teeth, don't make the, the, uh, uh, the Tooth Fairy leave a box set of the first season of Darkwing Duck under their pillow. You have set the <laughs> you've set the bar too high at that point. <laughs> that was my wow. mistake. Don't do that. Uh, now we have all all the episodes. I've got like all the seasons of Darkwing Duck. I mean, it's probably out of the out of all the I'd say the big four, big five Disney cartoons. It's, it's my favorite. Hmm. Well, we'll probably do a show about it at some point if we can find a. Oh, they're coming out with a 2018 is going to see the revival of Darkwing Duck. There's going to be a remake. Well, then I guess we'll be doing that show then, and I'll watch it at that point. Yep. But it, none of this is tied with Duckula, is it? Uh, Duckula? Was that a Disney thing, too? Duckula, no, there was... I thought Duckula was Daffy Duck. Oh, you're talking Merry Melodies. This was no, a cartoon. No, uh, Duckula was an entirely different count. Count Duckula. That was completely... That was made... Uh, that was a British studio, the same studio that did Danger Mouse. Okay. I, I just wasn't sure because, you know, it looks similar, but yeah, huh. I'm pretty sure it was the same studio. I mean, they definitely sound the same. The animation is very similar, but uh, yeah, definitely it's Thames Television. It's yep. a UK dealio. So, but no, that would, there was a vampire duck in uh, DuckTales and in there. Actually, that's where uh, Darkwing Duck came from. He was a cameo for one episode in Darkwing Duck or in DuckTales and they brought him out after that. So, huh? Yeah. Here I am. High school, high school, high schooler. Get home in time to watch the Disney lineup. Which carried over to college to get home to watch Animaniacs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, yeah, even though I was in elementary slash middle school when this stuff came out, I, I can remember just it being a mainstay into my high school years, for sure. Oh, yeah. If it's good, it's good. You know, that's the thing is, you know, a well-written show is going to be good no matter what. One thing I do have to call out, though, the music. Do you mean the theme song or just in general? Oh, God, no. The theme song is fantastic and just needs to be, not be changed ever. Um, the music during the show, very L.A. Law. <laughs> Saxophone, uh, ve- lots of synth. Um, I guess I didn't notice that. Yeah, I, I, I noticed that when I was – because I, I was watching it. I had the DVDs on while I was doing uh, – while I was cooking, and – it was, um, you know, you, you hear more stuff when you're not, when you hear it more when you're watch, not watching it. So it was one of those where I really started picking up on the music. Lots of saxophone, lots of keyboard, or probably guitar. But, uh, no, it was, <laughs> it was good. It was, I mean, it's, it's, the, the shows are great, but they do show their age. 
And I think that's where it, for me, that's where it showed the most was in the, uh, in the music. I could see that. I didn't even notice it. Well, the theme song felt very, very dated when I saw it. Because I remember as a kid, whenever the theme song come on, watching the, you know, all the little snippets of their adventures and getting excited to watch a show. And then now when I watched it, I was like, wow, it really is. It almost feels a little out of place to me, but just because I, I haven't listened to it as an adult. So kind of. We have very different experiences. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What's your experience? No, it's just for me like that. That theme song has always been iconic. I don't think I've ever skipped it and it it didn't change one whit for me. (laughs) (laughs) What? What way? Whit. One whit. Whit. Why are you pronouncing it like that? Like what? You're putting an accent on the wah. Um, but no, uh, Joel, I have to say I'm with Josh on this one. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It just, it, what I remembered versus what I saw were two different things and heard. Okay. So, you know, it's like when you hear a theme song as a kid and you're listening to it with your kid brain and what you know as a child, and then you listen to it as an adult and you're like, wow, I didn't realize they were singing about that or whatever. And I trying to think of an example, but for some reason, family ties is the only theme song coming to my head right now. <laughs> you know, for years I misheard the not ponytails or cottontails. The cottontails part is goblin tails. And I don't know why that would have been cool though. Yeah. I, I'd like to hear some goblin tales. Well, I mean, in your defense for many years, big old jet airliner by the Steve Miller band was North Carolina something, wasn't it? No, for me, it was Big Old Jed Had a Lighter. Oh, okay. See? Well, there you go. <laughs> big Old Jed Had a Lighter. I don't know how that... Something like that. You got it. But no, um, theme song, I mean, honestly, for myself, it's... Well, you can tell the staying power of it, because when they remade it, they didn't change the theme song at all. Very little, yeah. It was very much... In, I mean, it was done, obviously, by somebody else, but uh, it was very much in in line with it. Like, not very much different. Yep. Faux show. So, again, any else, anything else to say about uh, DuckTales? I enjoyed it. I mean, it was fun going back to it. It was such a kind of a, a staple at that point. Um, it was it was definitely fun to revisit it. And I yeah. would consider watching more just for the hell of it. And that's the thing is sometimes you go into these and you're really afraid that rewatching it is going to ruin it for you. Or at least, if not ruin your experience as a child, or tarnish that at all, at least like show you that you, as an adult, you're looking at it from a different perspective, and maybe it's not what you thought it was. You're remembering it as being better than it was from an adult's eyes, and that wasn't my experience here. Yeah, and I yeah, I'm agreeing with you with that on that, Josh. It was I. It has been a long while since I've watched it. You know, it wasn't something that I've normally would would dig out and you know watch every Saturday type of thing, but putting it on, I mean, the animation. One of the, I mean, you know me with animation. The animation is really good. Sure, and I'm not gonna say it's as good now as it was then. Uh, it, it doesn't 100% hold up, but it wasn't tarnished in any way, at least. No, it was definitely as good as I remember it being. So cool. All right, so uh, take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the Disney XD 2017 reboot, remake. Joel, give us a woo on the way out. Woo!
All right, we are back. I'm going to talk about DuckTales 2017. Um, very similar to, well, not very similar, exactly similar to the previous premise. Uh, Scrooge McDuck searching for treasure with Huey, Dewey, and Louie, Webby, Launchpad, and uh, Mrs. Beakley. Uh, is actually being substituted in. They don't the butler. I lost it. What's the butler's name, Josh? Oh, shoot. Um, Duckworth. That's right. Yeah. Duck- and they also have a little more Donald in this one. They do. Which, to be honest with you, I've been enjoying. I haven't had a problem with it at all. Yeah, he's... he. Well, I think also it's he's been doing the voice for our, another 20-plus years. So... I mean, he may maybe getting his diction a little bit better. <laughs> well, and there's a difference between launching this when it's already like, you know, DuckTales is a thing mm-hmm. and uh, launching it just into the ether and wondering if uh, Donald Duck is going to kill your show. It's going to be the Donald Duck show. Right. Right. Which with the episodes I've seen so far, there's been a pretty good balance of characters um, and you know, I don't know how much you want to get into actors and all of that before we dig into it, but, um, the alterations to Webby's character, I really love. Oh yeah. And, uh, well, let's, let's, let's do the voices. So I'm going to start, I'm going to start with Donald and work our way up. So Tony, Tony Anselmo reprises his role as Donald Duck, uh, Again, a minor role in the show. It is a little bit in the 87 one. In this one, it is bigger. Uh, he does show up more. Um, Tox Olagundoy. Josh? Olagundoy? Olagundoy. I'd say. Uh, Olagundoy, yeah. I would say. Olagundoy. Yeah, all right. So uh, she does the voice of Ms. Beakley and other characters, uh, mainly Ms. Beakley. Uh, she has been uh, known for... Uh, the the voice of Jolly Jockey Lurt uh, from the Guardians of the Galaxy TV show uh, does voices in the Game of Thrones and Middle Earth uh, games and Steven Universe. I think she's probably best known if you watched Castle. Oh yeah, Castle. She was uh, Haley. Yeah. Right. Um, moving up, Bex Bennett as Launchpad McQuack. Um, different voice, but still good. Still good. Yeah. It's definitely a, uh, you know, very kind of a little bit more surfer esque in this one, but still very much in, in the same vein as the original character. Oh yeah. Kind of clueless, you know, clueless surfer guy. Uh, Kate Miucci. I, when I realized that uh, Webby was done by one half of Garfunkel and Oates. I was just going to say that. It was like, uh, yeah, I clicked on her name uh, when we got the show notes. And I was like, holy shit, I know who that is. Yep. Beat me to the punch. But, I mean, she does other voiceover stuff. Again, Steven Universe uh, that you mentioned, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, She's an odd-looking duck, no pun intended. The voice actress? Yes. yes. Um, strangely enough, in the Lego Batman movie, she does the voice of Clayface. And she does a lot of, I mean, she does a lot of actual, like, acting. Like, oh, yeah. Acting. Um, Very talented lady. Yeah. Yeah. 
my personal favorite song of uh, Garfunkel and Oates has got to be um, uh, Pregnant Women Are Smug. That's currently my favorite. Uh, we got a Bobby Moyhan as Louie Duck. SNL alumni. Oh, yes. SNL. I know him. Let's see. Have you ever seen Mystery Team? He's on that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Bobby Moynihan is awesome. All over the place. Fantastic for the uh, for the characters. I'm glad that they went with a separate person for each of the... Yes. Uh, mainly because Bobby Moynihan... I'm going to go with Danny Pudi as Huey Duck. Uh, another Chicagoan, born in Chicago. Uh, does lots of voices. Currently, the last most, most recent thing, Smurfs, The Lost Village, is the voice of Brainy Smurf. Uh, started out on ER, and uh, is on, apparently there's a TV show called "Do You Want to See a Dead Body?" What? <laughs> what? I think it's a web series. Yeah, it's on. It's oh, on. No, um, it's a TV show. Yeah, it's YouTube. Brand. I mean, he's YouTube all brand. over the place, but I, I think really people know him for Community. Oh, that's right. I've only seen yeah, a little that was bit of his Community. Big role. Uh, Josh, Professor. He does the voice of Professor George Herbert Doyle the Fourth. Come on. What? From uh, Hearthstone. I, you know, I play a hell of a lot of Hearthstone every single day, and I have no idea who that character is. Okay. I was hoping. <laughs> um, it, was a good, it was a good gambit. Yeah. It must be a random legendary I don't have. Yeah. Well, you know, I put my money on the Josh for a World of Warcraft reference. You know. Ben Schwartz as Dewey Duck. <laughs> um, Hello. <laughs> He's the West. He, I can't even believe that that that's him as Jean Ralphio. It's like when I was we started watching it with I was watching it with the kids and they've watched Parks and Rec with me and I'm like, he sounds familiar. Like, <laughs> who is that? Why you know I refuse. You know I want to get at least halfway through it if I can figure out who it is. But Jean Ralphio is is just a riot because there's actually if you go on YouTube they have a live reading of it huh. and they give uh I keep saying I want to I want to say Ben Schwartz but my brain keeps going to Jean Ralphio yeah. yeah so they give Jean Ralphio doing the voice of a duck they give him a keytar with all these different sound effects on it and he's just as annoying as you would expect him to be so <laughs> that's all um. This was the out of left field for me. David Tennant as Scrooge McDuck. Yeah. So good. He, and he is. He's amazing as Scrooge McDuck. And as, um, oh, what's the other guy's name? Crap. Flintheart Glomgold? Yeah, he does the voice of Flintheart also. I, I wondered. Yeah. Which is, they, and then in the uh, live reading, they said this is the first time that Flint, Flintheart Glomgold has actually been voiced by an actual Scotsman. That's awesome. So, yeah, that that when I heard that he was cast in that, it piqued my interest immediately because you know, again, watching the show as a kid, but I was curious to see how it translate because he's doing ever since he left Doctor Who, and even before that, he was doing a lot of good stuff. He's just doing anything and everything and and just nailing it, and he he really is good as both characters. Yeah. No, uh, he uh, he's done actually more than more voices. Uh, Thunderbirds are go back in 2017. He did a voice in one of the episodes of that, and some short film called The Highway Rat. And uh, he's uh, been in an episode of The Family Guy. 
Yep. Playing so. the Tenth Doctor. Yep. And uh, well, we will we cover this also, but uh, he also played Kilgrave, the man in purple, purple man in Jessica Jones. So that, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's doing a ton of dark, dark roles right now with his new, uh, what is it, Bad Samaritan? Yep. Mm. And he's he still is doing Broadchurch. Um, it's like fourth season for the, the UK version, and there was a season in the US too. Yeah, I was going to say, they just if they ever cancel that, they'll just keep adding it to other countries. They'll remake it and have him play the character <laughs> with a slightly different voice. <laughs> but again, every time he does it, every every time he does something, it it seems to be just good. Well, I mean, David Tennant, he's and that's one of the things. Like during the uh, reading, he, I hate to say it doesn't it doesn't look like he's really, uh, what's the word am I looking of? He's not stressing himself at all, exerting. He's having a good time. Well, he's not exer- I mean, he's he's playing a Scottish duck on this, <laughs> and he and he's just chewing it up on it with it. I mean, his the facial expressions that he does while he's while he's doing the readings are are hilarious. I mean, you can tell that he's a hundred percent into this character, but at the same time, he's it's not something he's really has a stretch for. You know what well, I mean? I just, and he's he's such a, a good looking guy. I was curious how old he was compared to us. And he's 47 because I was questioning how old he would have been when the original series was out. So I, cause I was like, well, maybe he had a tie to it. Like he was into it as a kid, but he would have been past that age probably at that point. So interesting. I would think so. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. So uh, some trivia. We also said Tony Anselmo reprises his role as Donald Duck. Uh, the producers in an interview cite Indiana Jones and Arrested Development as an influence on this show. And you can kind of see it. It's got a little bit of that sardonic humor to it. Yeah, I, I can see that. Going to ask what, what the tie was, because I have yet to watch that, but oh. I'm sure we'll do a show on it at some point. Which Arrested Development? Yeah, if we can find a tie. <laughs> what? Oh. Um, you need to watch that shit, man. You got to get on that. I mean, like one of the, like one of the points where they're all... Uh, when Webby's asking him about, you know, oh, you know, she wants to know everything about the everything about the uh, the cousins. Oh, what's this? Oh, who's who's the evil cousin? And they're like Louie, and he just goes, eh, you know, it's <laughs> yes. Uh, Terrence McGovern, who voiced Launchpad McQuack in '87, uh, campaigned to reprise his role in this show, but he was denied, along with the surviving members of the original cast. Though they have Donald Duck, but Donald Duck isn't 100. percent I wonder why they. Um said no you know what i think they are trying to make like a clean cut just a fresh start yeah which is reasonable and i wouldn't put it past anselmo to maybe have a a contract that says nobody can play donald duck until he's dead or gets fired for some bizarre reason well maybe he's he's good at it so well but i mean you know you listen to the characters in mel blanc and and you know nowadays they've got other people doing those characters some of them better than others, but you know, I'm sure they could find somebody that could do it. But it's interesting. I, I just that out of everybody, he's the one guy that they they kept. Nice. So final trivia: Mrs. Beakley and Launchpad in this series take over the butler chauffeur duties from Duckworth, uh, McDuck's butler in Ducktales. However, Duckworth himself makes a cameo appearance in the show as a ghost of himself. Interesting. Yeah. They bring Duckworth back during a episode that I had that oh the episode that um 
they did the reading on where they have a birthday party for Scrooge McDuck. I haven't gotten to that one yet, but um, something interesting happened. I was watching it on my phone and Juliana came over and she's like, I know what that is. And I kind of looked at her like, you do? She's like, yeah, that's DuckTales, right? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, how do you know this show? Because, you know, she's way too young for the original. And I hadn't introduced it to her. And apparently uh, in season two, Lin-Manuel Miranda is making a guest appearance. From nice. Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> huh. So she's a huge Hamilton fan and a fan of his. So made sense. And then I was like, well, yeah, well, the 10th Doctor is Scrooge McDuck. She's like, oh, I see why you're watching it. <laughs> okay, Dad, be a nerd. <laughs> I'm like, that's not why. It's for my show. She's like, sure. Well, I was watching it on the train this morning. And it's one of those, you know, the uh, sitting there, wondering, you get, you, you're sitting next to people, and they always get the person that's kind of watching what I'm watching. And it was a kind of look. I come over, look at them, and they just kind of give me that accepting nod. <laughs> like I know what I yeah. remember that. Yeah. Ducktales, right on. So. And then there's the one guy that's like, he's not watching anime porn today. Weird. I was gonna sit next to him on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's he watching? Too? Just Ducktales? Ah, crap. But uh, so yeah, how many episodes did you guys get in? Get into it. I got about three deep. Okay. I got, I think, five by the time I was done. Yeah. I had one of them I accidentally had on my phone twice, so I, I forget where I was at. But I want to say episode five was where I stopped. Okay. I got about three in. Uh, the, you know, a little bit. I actually did downloaded the app for my phone to be able well, to. There you go. Yeah. Watch it on there. But um, all in all, I have to say I'm impressed. Yeah, it's weird. Like when I was watching the previews for this, I thought I was going to be totally into uh, the Huey, Dewey, and Louie being distinct characters with their own personalities and find Webby annoying. And now that I've watched a bit of it, I'm not as gung ho about the. I, I don't. It's cool, but I don't know that it was necessary for them to make the nephews that different. But Webby. As this like weird, I've never been out of this big house kid is a charming little character. Webby is hilarious. I, I love. Uh, did you watch one where they went to? I uh, one episode where they would go to climb uh, the mountain. No, was that Maybe the that was one second one? That must have been the one that I accidentally recorded the wrong. I put the same show title and I didn't get it. Yeah, it's I, been a long week, dude. I yeah, think I went from one here. to three. Well, they, I mean, there's one where she's she her goal is to go, uh, to go sledding. Oh yeah, I missed that one. That must have been episode two then. And it's hilarious because every time she tries to go sledding, now, now, no, the ultimate moment. You know, yeah, they keep knocking. Every time she tries to jump on it, they wind up knocking it out of the way. It's, uh, but her character and the voice acting for her is so good. Well, it's like the episode where they're playing uh, with the Nerf dart guns and she's like, she's talking about her backstory as the character and they're like, she's like, don't you have backstories? <laughs> they're like, oh yeah, sure. <laughs> and she's just so over the top, but it's, it's really, it's, it's a, a huge leap from the original show, but it was a really smart decision. She's probably my favorite character of the new series. Mm-hmm. Easy. I have to, though I do have to say I was kind of I was iffy on her 
until on the first episode until the I'm going to eat a hamburger line. Because <laughs> she's like in the, in the beginning she goes I I want to leave this house and have a hamburger and like they're like can, we can bring you a hamburger. You are my best friends. But the one later on where she's like, where are you going? I'm going to have a hamburger. But I, I really mean like I'm going to go rescue Scrooge. I'm like, we, we, we got it. We got it. It's cool. Okay, good. Okay. It was, but I mean, there's just that little like that, like but what they said earlier, that kids arrested development type bite to it. Yeah. Well, and it's not so over the top like um, Teen Titans Go was where it, it borders on the absurd. It's still DuckTales, but it's got enough of that kind of weird humor and kind of odd things thrown in that as an adult, we can watch it and enjoy it. But our kids, well, if we had younger kids, they could watch it and enjoy it too. Not Ours would probably enjoy it for what we're liking it for, but mm-hmm. they didn't go over the top, which is what I was thankful for. Right. And they're not as... This, this is a DuckTales that is not made for it's this is not made for us this is ducktales that's made for the generation that's going to watch it now with enough jokes in there to keep our attention it's it's really well made and i was initially kind of also kind of iffy about the art style it's almost a little too scribbly for my taste but i i i think i like it yeah i i that was another thing that i warmed to very quickly yeah, that everybody. Art style. Yeah, I mean, because the well, the thing is, like the original one, the art style was so pristine. It was, you know, done like you said. They this is their first foray into after school type stuff. So, but it was um, very Disney. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But no, this new one. I mean, the characters are identifiable. You know, I kind of like having the different personalities on the on the cousins, just because you've got you don't have. It was like you said in the first one. You've got the the cousins could are just like one homogeneous 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 homogeneous. That's the word I'm thinking of. They're just one character in the original one. You're right. They're all they all have the junior uh, junior woodchuck uh, guidebook in their pocket. This one I like that they have a little bit more uh, diversity to their personalities because like in the um, which one's the green one? Louis, right? All I know is Huey is blue shirt. Okay. <laughs> it's the only one I remember because he's John Ralphio. Okay. The, yeah, or Dewey, I mean. Uh, <laughs> so Louie. I'm doing it. Yeah. So Louie in um in the episode where they're climbing the mountain, there you know, he goes, he's all excited. We're going to climb this mountain and get the treasure of whatever the mountain's name was. And Donald look I mean Scrooge looks at him and goes, There is no treasure. We're just climbing it to climb it to get to nobody's gotten to the top. That's why we're climbing it. He's like, right, I'm out. <laughs> and he and he's gone for the rest of the, for most of the episode. He just walks off and he has a cup of coffee and he sits at the key like he sits at an outdoor cafe at the bottom of the mountain. It's like, you guys, let me know when you're done. I'll be right here. <laughs> so, I mean, I like that kind of, you know, no, no treasure. I'm out. You know, that kind of thing that would never happen in the original one. That kind of takes you by surprise, but it's entertaining. It's fun. It's 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 a it's a good solid cartoon. Yes, that's that's a very good way of defining it. I would 100% agree with that because I I watched the original. I was watching the original and then the remake and and doing one of each kind of back to back. And um, 
there's so many things that they kept that are similar, but it's like, it's kind of like you were saying, they, they made it for today's kids audience. Cause if they tried to do it the same way, it would have been geared towards a younger demographic, I think. And this one covers kind of a broader spectrum of age groups. Cause there is a little bit of everything in there. Um, no, you're right. But, it's, it's, it's a, it is a, they've got enough entertainment in here to entertain a younger crowd that just want to see, you know, the ducks run around and do stuff. And then you've got the little bit of the, of the, uh, snarkiness for the older kids. And there's enough, there's enough nods to us in there too, that we can sit there and watch it too. Now, out of all the characters, cause they, you know, like I said, they got rid of the Butler and they made, um, the maid or whatever, kind of the main house person. Yeah. They kind of combined the characters and made her more prominent. And I forgot that those two characters were even in the original until I watched enough of the original that I got to their episodes. Um, but I think Launchpad is the one that really kind of, in my opinion, at least stayed the closest to the original incarnation outside well, of maybe Scrooge. I was going to say him and Scrooge both seem to have the same feel. Well, and they have slightly different motivations. Like the original Scrooge is a little bit more uh, of a skinflint. True. Yeah, and in the original comic, Scrooge was almost a foil. He was a he was a lot more um, hostile <laughs> than the Scrooge that we know. Yeah, I could see that. But when they got past that hostility pretty quick, because the first episode. He was pretty standoffish and didn't want anything to do with him. And by the end of the episode, he's like, okay, everybody, you know, like these guys are just like me when I was a kid and it was all good. And then it went from there. Yeah. I, I I think my favorite line from the first one has got to be with, um, Ms. Beakley going, are you doing this because you were insulted by three children? You know, it's, yeah. You know, what's what's his motivation? You're like, you used to be something. What are you now? And after he had that meeting with a li- another little nods that I really like, the, when he's talking with the accountants, all the accountants are buzzards. <laughs> yes. You know, I work with accountants. They're not wrong. But uh, but no, I mean, this is... I almost wish I still had cable. <laughs> Well, I don't know if you guys got to it or not, but in one of the last episodes I watched earlier today, uh, they've started a subplot about uh, finding the kid's mother. Yes. That little tip of the hat and little uh, uh, clue at the end of the first one. Yeah. And then in the they, they now, in, I want to say it was episode four where they started, they actually went to Scrooge's library, or maybe that was the fifth episode, because uh, again, mine were out of order apparently, um, and they found what little information they had. They found on her, and it started this whole thing now, where it looks like they're going to start trying to find um, what happened to her. Because in one of the paintings they found in the garage in the first one, right? They uh, they showed that she was part of the adventuring team with Donald and and Scrooge, which I don't think they ever mentioned her in the original series that I remember. I was trying to remember and I could not. Hmm. So, I mean, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see where it goes um, with that, with the series. And I'm kind of thinking I'm going to have to uh, get access to it. So Juliana can watch it and maybe get through the whole series. Cause uh, it, it was an, it was, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Let's put it that way. 
Yeah. And that, and that's, I think, is the a part of the reason, like, I, why I don't like um, Teen Titans Go. It's not fun. It's not, I mean, it's, it's, oh, I don't know, it may just be old man in me, but it's, it's pretty spastic and too random for me to enjoy it. I'm with you on that, but I don't like lowbrow humor, so I never have. When the and kids, yeah, it's a lot of toilet, a lot, lot of fart and poop humor. Yeah. The kids were into it for a period, a brief period, so I watched it with them. I didn't hate it because, you know, sometimes I like a good the the her her kind of joke, but it does get a little thin after I a find, season or two. I find that hard to believe, Joel. Oh, see. <laughs> Yeah, this is a lot more intelligent, and and again, I think Disney knew that they had a property that uh, was already strong with our age group and a little younger, mm-hmm. and they figured we have kids of our own, and the people that are were younger than us that were more their demographic at the time definitely have kids that are younger, and uh, it, it kind of was a no-brainer, I think, as long as they did it in a way that, that worked, and I, I think they were successful. Well, I think that's what they knew, is that our generation is going to be watching this also. And they knew how much, how much was sitting on the table at this. Cause if they knew if that we didn't like it, that we'd be like, nah, you know, cause if, if they have kids that are in their seven, eight year old, like, nah, you, there's something else on, you know, we'll put, put something else on. So they, they kind of had to go like they do with the first one and cash it all in and make sure that they've got a, uh, you know, that they've got a good solid plot, that they've got good voice actors, just like they did in the original one. I mean, Scrooge McDuck in the first one was spot on perfect. Scrooge McDuck in this one, spot on perfect. So I can't argue with that. I wish you would. You're wrong, but not really, because I agree with you. All right, we got anything else? Woo! Fantastic. All right, so what are we talking about next week, gentlemen? Next week, we are talking about murder. (gasps) The death (gasps) episode? Yes. That's why Patrick is not here. He's researching death. He's really into it. Yes. No, we're uh, doing murder on the Orient Orient Express. Uh, We're going to watch the 1974, I think. Version? It's older than me. <laughs> so am I. Aw. Aw. I'm older than that movie, too. Aw. Um, we're going to watch the 1974 version, and then we're going to watch the uh, more recent 2017 Murder on the Orient Express. Which, incidentally, yeah. uh, Worlds of Fun, which was the, the big amusement park in Kansas City, they had a ride called the Orient Express, and if they would have had Murder on there, it wouldn't have been as exciting. All right. Well, if you want to give your response to Joel regarding that joke, uh, you can give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. And if you'd like to hear more of Joel's unfunny jokes, you can find them on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, NoonFM.com, and other fine podcasting directories. <laughs> Joel, a moment of silence, if you please. Woo! <laughs> I haven't done a woo through the entire show. I need to do at least one. Get it out. I still want to hear some goblin tales.
By the way, that chicken that you posted, Josh, I wanted to eat it all. 